I am Matthew. This is another WriterCast. Today, I will be reviewing episodes one and two of Kamen Rider Hibiki. Kamen Rider Hibiki aired 48 episodes. It began its run on January 30th, 2005, and finished it January 22nd, 2006. There is famously a change-up in writing and production teams on Hibiki, but since I'm only talking about the first two episodes, I've decided that from now on on another writer cast, I will just talk about who wrote the first two episodes and who directed the first two episodes. So, here we go. Uh, Tsuyoshi Kida, who went on to write Kamen Rider Wizard, uh, wrote uh, the first two episodes, and, along with Shinji Oishi. I don't know who Shinji Oishi is. When I looked on the uh, Kamen Rider wiki, I could not find an entry for them. And I have no idea who this person is. Uh, the first two episodes were directed by Hidenori Oshida, or sorry, Hidenori Ishida, and Ishida seems to be a director for a lot of debuts. Um, I don't know why, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, next, the OP is Kagayaki, which means radiance. Uh, there's no singer, and there are no lyrics because the word or the the song is instrumental. Um, which is pretty neat. Uh, the composition and arrangement were done by Toshihiki, or sorry, Toshihiko Sasashi. Unlike the previous four shows, this show, Hibiki, has an ED, uh, at least for the first part of it. It's called Shonen Yo, which means hey boy, uh, which I think that was probably the wrong inflection there, excuse me. Uh, there is a singer and a lyricist. The lyricist is Shoko Fujibayashi, who did lyrics for all the other uh, five previous writer song, uh, or common writers, OPs, and EDs, I believe. Uh, and the singer is Akira Fuse, and the composition and arrangement are, again, done by Toshihiko Sasashi. There's another interesting thing about Hibiki. The suit actors. Uh, Seiji Takawa was not playing... Kamen Rider Hibiki, because he was busy uh, being Magi Red on Magi Ranger, which aired around the same time, because uh, Kamen Rider and Super Sentai used to air, I think, starting and ending about the same time of the year, and then there was a shift with Decade and such. So, that's pretty interesting. It's the, I think it's the only Heisei main writer that he has not played. And uh, the person who does play Hibiki, Kamen Rider Hibiki, that is, is Makoto Ito, and Ito had mostly portrayed the secondary writers prior to this, so I thought that was pretty neat. I need to share one more thing before we move on from the meta section. The first two episodes are entitled Echoing Oni and Howling Spider, and I think that's pretty cool. The premise of Kamen Rider Hibiki is unclear to me. There's a young boy, Asumu, who crosses paths with Hibiki. It seems their lives become entangled as Asumu witnesses Hibiki transform and fight a nature spirit or demon who has been attacking people. Hibiki feels like an aspirational figure to Asumu, who is estranged from his father. And I sense the show is about Asumu learning from Hibiki and growing into himself. I'm going to take this opportunity to meander a bit as I talk about the show. Uh, and the premise and why it's a little hard to define. There's this uh, male clad in black and this female clad in, clad in white out in the forest um, in Yakushima, I believe is where Hibiki and his mom are visiting because her dad just died and they're there for his memorial, or he died and they're there for his memorial service. I don't know how far apart the death and memorial services are in Japan. Um, but we uh, kind of follow along the story of them going there and we see 
that he's sad leaving his school, leaving one school and going to another one. And there's something interesting about uh, the fact that he's in a brass band there and he's watching uh, the guy who's taking his place in the brass band who's drumming on the cymbals and he's like really bad at it. And uh, Hibiki kind of feel or not Hibiki, but um, the boy, uh, Shonen, <laughs> that's what he's called. Uh, yes, Shonen, our protagonist. No, Asimo, he um, he kind of shrinks away from that, uh, or not he shrinks away from that. He seems deflated because of that, and he seems very aloof, and it's interesting to me that he's a drummer of a brass cymbal, and Hibiki's a drummer, and he watches him, and he's, like, magnetized to, um, to Hibiki, and uh, I really do think that that's kind of what the story's about, and yeah, there's these demons or whatever, and uh, an organization that Hibiki works with that's set up to like take care of them to help protect people against them. But you know, something more than that is going on. It has a lot to do with um, with Asumu and and his life and why he isn't embracing change or. I don't know he's afraid to let go of part of himself. It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. Anyway, I'm gonna stop rambling and then get get on with it. <laughs> So now I'd like to discuss the cast and really focus on how they interact with each other, how they get along. Uh, like I said before, Asmu, uh, a.k.a. Shonen, is our protect. I, I keep saying that because uh, he just keeps getting called boy in the course of the show, and it's kind of funny. But Hibiki. Hopefully I didn't talk about Asmu too much in that last section um, to talk about him here, but uh, yeah, something interesting I noticed about him is there's a couple instances where something happens and he kind of pulls away and shrinks and like turns in onto himself. And uh, I think that says a lot about who he is as a character right now. Again, he's probably like 14, maybe 13, and that informs who he is. I'm not upset with him for being youthful or a callow youth, but it's just, I think that's a defining character trait of him perhaps. Um, there's this boy who ends up falling off of a ferry, and Hibiki catches him uh, in dramatic faction, fashion. Um, at the memorial, um, Asumu is trying to leave, and one of his relatives is sitting there, and instead of talking to him and asking him, you know, excuse me, please let me pass by, he stands there for a moment and then pulls away and then goes. And then I can't remember the, what the third instance is. Maybe it has something to do with him and Shizu, Chizu, Chizu in the forest, um, and he sees, like, the web or whatever, but he just kind of ignores it. And, like, he has this tendency where he... He seems to want to look away and to turn away, but then he's drawn towards Hibiki and everything that he's doing, and he knows it's a dangerous situation. Hibiki even tells him to run at some point when he's fighting this demon uh, as a giant spider, but Asumu refuses, and that really intrigues me. Hibiki himself is kind of aloof. Um, he's He feels very cool, um, very genuine and warm, and like someone you want to be around. And uh, beyond that, I know there's an air of mystery because, you know, what's this guy doing just wandering around? And, you know, he does strange things like rescues that kid and stuff and acts like it's no big deal and just talks about how he's well-trained and and that's it. Um, and it's just, it's kind of strange. So maybe there's a mystique around him because you don't really get why, who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing the things that he's doing, if that wasn't too much of the word do. Asumu's mom has to be an important character. Um, I got an interesting sense from her. Uh, she, as they're looking for Hibiki in episode two, she remarks that uh, Asumu's starting to look like her uh, estranged husband, and she's excited about that. And, um, 
you know, she's really excited to see her cousins, even though her father, I think it was her father who died, um, and it's his memorial service. Like, so to me, she seems like a woman who's able to handle tough situations, and um, she seems like she's proud of her son for, you know, becoming handsome, uh, like the man she fell in love with and, you know, married and had a kid with and stuff. And uh, I don't know, that's, that's really cool. It speaks to, like, a great strength that she has, that she's not um, someone who's easily, I don't know, crushed by things. And uh, I don't know. I kind of like her, like, loose, um, not permissive, but, like, I don't know, open parenting style where she's not freaking out about where Asamu is and stuff because, you know, he's out with his cousin, I think his cousin, uh, Chizu. Um, I'm, just, I'm just assuming they're cousins because it's family together. Um, and she's an older girl, and they wouldn't be going out together and have it not be weird if, she, if they weren't cousins, you know? Probably, I don't think. Anyway... Um, but I don't know. I get a good vibe off of her and I'm hopeful that she'll be more involved with him going forward in the series that, or rather that she won't disappear from the cast because I think she is a uh, crucial part of it. And, uh, I'm excited to see how she develops it in the rest of the story. So I don't know who these, uh, helpers are associated with Hibiki. Uh, you get to see them working at like a, a shop or, or maybe out in the garden or something. Um, but they, one of them mentioned something about a new disc coming in, and he's talking to them on the phone about this uh, Suchi Gumo, which is the what apparently what the giant spider is. I don't know if that's the name of all of the race. I don't think it is. I think they're called something else in Hibiki, but they don't say it in the first episode, which is fine. Um, but uh, the two of them seem like they have really different energies. I think they're sisters um, or cousins. I don't know. I can't remember now. But... Uh, I, I'm interested in them. I, I especially would like to see them all interacting together, especially because I think one of them's demanding a souvenir from Hibiki and the other, like, takes the phone away from her and it's like, come on, knock it off. Let's be serious about this. So it's just, it's fun to have those different uh, flavors and attitudes um, and, you know, a variety in your cast. Chizu kind of just gets to play a part in the story, a very mechanical part where um, she helps Asumu get out to the to the forest and is attacked and has to be taken care of and she draws um, Hibiki to the home. So like on a narrative level, I get what her purpose was. Um, she seemed charismatic and sweet and it'd be interesting to see uh, if they continue to interact later in the show. But I, if we lose her as a character, um, I wouldn't be upset. There was nothing too great there that uh, I think I would miss. I'd like to move on to talking about design right now. And it might seem funny that um, if you're watching the uh, video version of this that I'm showing the uh, man, woman in the forest, and uh, it's because they're part of the design, um, but they're, like, Hibiki has a very interesting design sense. Um, gosh, there's different elements to it. There's all of Hibiki's gear that he has, uh, which looks ancient and ornate and beautiful, uh, but at the same time, technological. Um, it's weird. He hits this tuning fork and he uses that to turn himself into Kamen Rider Hibiki or to transform his body, whatever. Um, and he has these uh, little helper robots, but then he's dealing with this very organic threat of, of these spirit beings. And um, they have... Um, I don't know if their designs are, are wild or subdued or what, but um, it all feels just very natural and organic and like... Like, nature, but more so. Um, and I think, you know, the designs of the creatures, the whether the people in the monster suits or the, you know, big CGI spider, they're intimidating and scary, and that's good. But, um, like, the villains don't have, like, a very strong design sense other than they are utterly of nature so far. Um, and I haven't seen too much beyond that, obviously, because I just watched the first two episodes. So I just kind of wanted to get them out of the way. 
There are some very strong toyetic uh, designs, though, as well. Um, Hibiki is able to use his uh, tuning fork thing that he has on his belt to hit the CDs, These and these CD animals activate or come alive. Um, he has a red hawk, and I think that's really cool. Um, it's a super interesting idea, and I would love to have one of these toys just to see what it's like because they seem so cool. And they have a, a life of their own. Um, the hawk can fly around somehow, I guess by magic probably, and they can like sing songs or make noises to him and he can understand them. He also, there's a green gorilla and the animals move, the disc animals or animal discs would ever move like the real animals would except for, you know, more so because it's magical. And there's a little blue wolf, which is adorable. I want to learn why wolves are typically blue in Japanese stuff, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. That's really interesting because he has those very technical uh, things, and then he like whittles a, a piece of wood off of a tree, a branch, uh, into a drumstick because apparently he broke one of his drumsticks, and his drumstick is like his final weapon for finishing off his enemy. Um, and they have these jeweled demon heads on them, and then it's just a shaft of wood, and he, he puts it together and ties it with leather, and there's straps and stuff, and then it's a, it's interesting. He pulls off his belt buckle which has the three shapes on it, and then he puts it onto the enemy, and then he uses that to drum, and he drums and drums and drums until it's finally destroyed. And um, just, that's so weird and quirky and interesting. And uh, after the battle, Hibiki's uh, mask comes off, and he kind of talks to Asmu for a moment, or they share a moment, and he sneezes and stuff, which is funny, because, like, the show doesn't take itself too seriously. Well, I, I don't want to talk about general points, but, like, it's a beautiful suit, and he's in a beautiful setting in nature, and it feels like everything's supposed to blend in really well with nature, and I like that, and I really enjoy that the, the setting is out here in this forest on Yakushima, and I'll be interested to see what happens when they go back to Tokyo, because they live near each other. All right, so it's time to share my overall thoughts on Kamen Rider Hibiki. Uh, I absolutely love this show. Um, I get a great sense of warmth from it and kind of a sense of wonder as well. And I really appreciate that and I like it and it just feels so good. It feels comfortable. The musical numbers in it um, are really interesting. Uh, it feels like it, the show itself has a lot of rhythm and action in the way all the scenes are plotted out and the way the dialogue plays out. Um, if you're looking at the video version right now, there's these effects that they put on screen. Heavily, heavy use of effects that are very artsy, I guess you could say. One of my favorite tricks that it does is that it will uh, like saturate uh, Asmu in color and then kind of make everything hazy and faded out around him. Again, that's on the video version of the podcast if you're looking at that right now. Um, they do it a couple different times. There's one uh, with a shot with his mother at the funeral or at the memorial. You can see that. Um, and I just think it's really interesting what a take... Uh, like, this is a show, obviously, and they know it's fake, um, but they're not afraid or they lean into being stylistic with all their choices, and I really like that. Again, for watching the video version of the podcast, uh, there's a great scene that I'm looping a couple times just to show. Uh, Hibiki asks this old man about this mountain, and, and the old man shares with him about it. And Hibiki, because he's comrade Hibiki, he deals with all these crazy things. He like isn't scared by the old man's warnings of danger and doom about going into this uh, forest. And um, I think it's really funny because the way the old man is lit and the way uh, Hibiki are lit... Are it's totally different, and it is not natural. It's not realistic. Um, it's 100% stylistic, and it's a choice. He, the, the old man is lit like it's a horror movie, and that's great. Um, 
like there's these tonal shifts and um, I just think it's really beautiful and bold all the choices that were made in the show. Uh, I also think that the choice to have all these musical numbers, to have um, the ED included here, that it was very important that they include that, um, to have it be quirky and to make Hibiki himself look silly and to play up the comedy of certain scenes uh, was fantastic. And also, like, the jumping around they were doing in the trees in the episode one fight with the, uh, the twin, you know, male-female spider demon things um, was fantastic. Um, I also like the idea, and this is kind of a tangent, that the male spider is a giant spider in that shed, and then he eats the female, um, and then they merge together and become bigger. And, like, spoilers, you know, the episode three preview shows that, like, they're back, basically. Um, so, like, what are these things? It's so alien. It's so weird. Um, and the show, I feel, it's so bold, and it makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know if I already said beauty and style, but beauty and style like that's what i i see from the show and it's very endearing and i i want more um like if i were gonna have to pick one show to watch out of this lot i think i'd go with hibiki first even before kuga um even though hibiki has this reputation for turning sour uh <laughs> like halfway through uh it just it seems like everything i i want um so I'll conclude with this. I think the show is beautiful and weird, and it didn't have to be beautiful and weird or as beautiful and as weird as it is, and I applaud it for going that far and doing that much with the art of it all. Thank you for your time and attention. I'd love to do more of this. Like, share, and subscribe to cheer me on, or give me feedback to make me stronger and smarter. Visit luminousbeings.blog for more. I link everything I do there, so if you want to comment, that's the place where I'll definitely see it.